Hello, everybody. Welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. One of us, me, for the first time. As always, I am Jacob, the super rookie of One Piece, joined by my co-host, the super veteran, Justin. Hello, everybody. As you know from the title episode or from listening along with us on this journey, today we are finally arriving and discussing Thriller Bark. Our journey is going to begin at chapter 442 and conclude at the latest at chapter 489. <laughs> so, okay, so here's what's going on. Last week, we mm-hmm. did say that we were probably going to do two parts. But mm-hmm. after we kind of talked it out, looked over our notes, we are thinking we can maybe do it in this one episode. But we'll see. No promises. So either this week we're discussing Thriller Bark or this week and next week. Oh, yeah. It's a, definitely an arc of highs and lows where I would say the highs really like meet what I wanted because we get some good surprises in here where we get a new character, Brooke. We get a crazy adventure where we get like a horror themed adventure and I'm all down for that. But it's also laced in with some disappointment. So we'll get there That's when fair. we get there. We we want to start off with a thousand sunny, right? Yeah, so I, I figured that first little mini section right in the beginning of the arc is kind of all about showing us the sunny and all of its upgrades, improvements to the, mm-hmm. the Straw Hat's quality of living. So Frankie, if, if we want to talk Frankie about the sunny and all of its upgrades, everything we get to see from it, all the upgrades that are, uh, they're noteworthy, like the soldier dock system, mm-hmm. their Where little aquarium co- in their kitchen and everything. It's just all really cool touches to see. God, that, that aquarium, like Frankie went so far out of his way to make it like a billion dollar looking aquarium where it's like, yeah, we get a little tank here, you top our fish in here. He and made them a home, just... bro. Not just a ship. He made them. It's a not home. even a home. It's a mansion. <laughs> it's a mansion. <laughs> it's floats. a nice home. Yeah. <laughs> because we we're talking about the aquarium, but then we have a state of the art med bay that Chopper loves. There's like a luxurious bath that Nami was taking, obviously. And then yeah, like we mentioned the soldier dock system where it's like you got a mixture of the paddle boat system. Then we also have a mini submarine, a four man boat, a one man waiver, like, and then a fourth spare. Uh, docking space channel where it's like anything you guys want to do it's a spare slot you guys can come up with it on your own and you're just like god damn frankie <laughs> like i was expecting a quality ship where it's durable yeah against the odds i didn't expect all this extra stuff too but yeah the aquarium stuff was the main thing of notice because that's how they can capture fish and keep it and before it's ready to cook so that was great yeah it's like extra food reserves that you don't have to store in the fridge and it'll be fresh. exactly it's amazing mm-hmm. yeah and that's really cool <laughs> Of course, they gotta watch what fish they catch because they captured that one horned shark and he, he, oh, he ate all yeah, the he other fish. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a little handkerchief too in the in the tank after he yeah, was done. He, he had a fork like, and knife too and like a handkerchief. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was great. That was great. Um, but yeah, like then they obviously get to a place that's where it's very foggy after a little storm, and Sanji's having a little fun, like trying to scare Usopp because if you recall. Sanji wasn't on the boat when they're talking about the Florian Triangle, where they're going to yeah, go next. Yeah, I like and, that moment, too. Yeah, moment. Sanji's like, gets like a, a light beneath him and just like, so people go missing, and there's a skeleton there. Yeah, oh, I like shit. how he's <laughs> holding the match in the panel, like underneath mm-hmm. himself to, yep, to make the effect. scary shadow. Yeah, it was It's great. the classic, right? Because you, you don't have flashlights, but you know what? I got a little lighter. <laughs> or a, and of course, it match. makes the most sense because Sanji would have matches because he smokes. Oh, of course. It also sets the tone because whenever you get that trope of like, you know, it's only trying to scare people with like the flashlight under their face. So spooky stories. And it's like, all right, we're getting Halloween themed here. If that wasn't obvious enough. 
Also, yeah, not that's, to mention that's definitely the, one of the big indicators right there. Yeah. Also, not to mention for the whole arc, uh, Usopp changes his look. He looks a bit like Van Helsing. Did you get that too? With the hat and the darker cloak, like he looks like he's like a Van Helsing. Oh, to purify when he beasts. turns on when he puts on his ghost hunter outfit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I love. I really like that outfit. That look for mm-hmm. Usopp. I was actually expecting. I wouldn't be. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he kept it throughout, but. I think we should get to the highlight. I think we can all agree that yeah, that's so, part of this arc. Yeah, the next section we get the meeting of Brooke, which mm-hmm. it, yeah, what do you think of Brooke? I mean, we know how this <laughs> section goes. They meet Brooke, they invite him back to the ship for dinner. He's been, he's kind of a lonely hermit, obviously. He's been alone, wandering for yeah, years at so, this point. I think people underestimate that he, or they don't factor in. I'll make it, I'll put it in really dumb terms for myself so I can think it out. They don't I factor think in I, that he might have gone a little crazy. Mm-hmm. In that time, and I think that shows like a lot. In oh, absolutely, yeah. Let me add on to what uh, you were saying, which is, I think what you're trying to say is that uh, people kind of forget about this origin to Brooke's backstory because we're covering yeah. the whole arc here, and it's revealed at the end of like how truly alone he was for at least fifty years of his life as a skeleton, uh, and he will remind you over and over again that he is a skeleton with his horrible dad jokes. But, um, <laughs> oh, dude, apart- I love the school jokes. Oh, you and Luffy. I got tired after the second one. <laughs> like, I was on Robin's boat where at first off, Frankie was like hating the skeleton jokes, and she's like, lay off, Frankie. He's not worth it. And it's then he like does a, it again, like and Robin's like, go ahead, joke, kill him. <laughs> you know? Where uh-huh. when it comes at the right time, and like, it, or that's what she said is a better example. Yeah, that's what you she know, said. That's but... a better example. Yeah, when it's like when it just comes, it shows up out of nowhere. But when it hits right, it's just perfect. I, I enjoy when... the school jokes in the same way. But when you see meet someone who says it over and over again, you're like, dude, come on, get new material, <laughs> yeah. please. But for our sake, we're not actually there. We're reading it ourselves, and we're I'm just enjoying. Luffy enjoying it, and everyone else is just like you know, gr- like scratching at their skulls, going, "Oh my god!" Well, mm-hmm. anyway, so Brooke is definitely a neat character. Where this is our second. Oh, by the way, I want to apologize for listeners. I think I miss said our the reference back in our last couple episodes. I mentioned that we mentioned Lucci. Well, I said Lucci was a Slade reference. I think I said Slade. I don't remember if I'm, I said Slade I'm or Slash. Sure you said Slash. I hope, but my brain is telling me I said Slade, so either way... I I can't imagine we both missed that, (laughs) you know? I don't know, they're similar names, but either way, if I did accidentally mix up the musician from Guns N' Roses with the DC villain, sorry. (laughs) But either way, this is our second Slash reference. I guess Oda was going through a Guns N' Roses phase, like, he just loves that guitarist, man. But either way, it's the classy approach, because he's got the top hat, he's got a suit, he's got a fucking cane that doubles as a sword. Yeah, he's, oh, he's got his swag so on, if you man. So, easily, yeah, so with that design alone, Oda could have easily turned this guy into, like, a second Sanji character, of, like, his suave and his coolness, or at least he thinks he is. But instead, we get our second Sanji character, but he's a big perv instead. <laughs> like, he is, it's part of that social awkwardness that you're talking about yeah i think where... I think that's attributed a little bit to the crazy mm-hmm. the 50 yeah, so years being of al- isolation and everything exactly being alone for 50 years and he does not interact with people so he's constantly making the same skeleton jokes over and over again he's constantly being the the tropey old man pervert trope where he's like let me just see your underpants let me see your panties let me see your panties and i want to say i hate that trope normally but when it comes to older characters 
especially someone like Brooke, who is literally a skeleton and alone for 50 years, it's actually justified. So yeah, I think in this think case, Brooke... I'm just rolling my eyes. And I'm just going, eh, oh, you in this case. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I felt like and I still do to this day feel like Brooke was kind of designed as an archetype to fit that old man, grandpa, you know, Jiraiya Sensei, Master Roshi archetype. But and with more, good reason. Yeah, he's he's designed to fit the archetype, though, and not just be it. Yeah. You know, he's designed I think, to build up, and, and it works, in my opinion. It definitely works. That's why I tolerate uh, uh, Brooks's tropiness rather than, you know, I always shit on Sanji, and I'll shit on him again in this case, where I'm like, <laughs> Sanji, he's just an old, he's just a young dude, where, right, where he's just, he's trying to get some. Brooke literally hasn't met people in 50 years, mm-hmm. and so he's just like, uh, what were my initial reactions? Ah. I think Brooke is, he's more relatable now post-COVID. I'm oh, not, absolutely. Not <laughs> getting imagine a little real talk here. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a little real, but imagine 50 years of that. And that's where Brooke's uh-huh. at when we meet him. Yeah, And then all like, of a sudden he's surrounded by the funnest people basically imaginable. And he's essentially at a party. Just throw yeah. him into a party. Of course he's going to act awkward. Yeah, so we're actually making fun of him, too, for or pointing out that he's antisocial, but there are a lot of bits before we get that amazing storytelling at the end of the arc. We'll get to that when we get there. But um, he mentions it where he's like, he's so appreciative. He loves being around people. It's so great. And as soon as he goes there, I'm like, I'm getting some serious, like, isolation theme vibes from this guy. And it confirms it, too, where he's like, yeah, I ate the revive, revive fruit. I was supposed to die, but I'm back to life now. And that's an yeah, interesting I- very interesting yeah obviously my big question i think everyone does too is is it a one-time revive dude yes i'm so glad you picked up on that because that is the question like he still mm -hmm. has the devil fruit power apparently he's still suffering from the weaknesses right he does get weak in water he he he's gonna come back to life again (laughs) when he dies again even though he can't die because he's already dead yo ho ho right yeah <laughs> so like it like and accidentally we got ourselves the best tank <laughs> possible because well he can't die yeah it could be he could be like but, the haxist character or yeah, one of but, that alone yeah but at the same time i don't know if i want to risk it or chance it because how do you kill a skeleton at the same time i don't want to risk it so the like as of right now i don't know if he can die again and revive again Either way, what my mind has is you can actually take off his head and he'll still be alive. Like, he is a cartoony skeleton character at this point. Yeah. That's what I imagine. So, it's regardless really hard to kill. Also, lovely hair. The same afro great <laughs> hair, hair. that great Slash hair. has. And Sanji, I think, asks him, how do you still have hair even though you remind us of one over again? You're a skeleton. He's just like, I have very strong frolicles. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, yeah. Great introduction to the new yeah. character where, oh, also... I always say whenever there's a new Straw Hat about to join the crew, Luffy always goes, uh, oh, we need this. We need this. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I think Luffy said this like three times. We need a musician. It was we like the first thing he said, I think. Or maybe after he got Zoro. I think so, said, like, yeah. We need a crew. He's like, yeah, let's go get a musician. Mm-hmm. And Zoro's like, don't we need a navigator first? And even before he knew he was a musician, he just heard him sing, right? But he didn't know he was actually a musician. Right away, Luffy just goes, yo, you want to join our crew? And <laughs> Brooke's like, I'd love to. But you have to do this quest for me first, because you see, I lost my shadow, which becomes the plot for the entirety of this arc, where it is people are losing their shadows. Mm. So uh, we learn that uh, basically, for 
at, th- at this point in the story, it's unknown how he lost his shadow. Uh, well, I think we know how, but we don't yeah. know like what what are the gimmicks of how it works. But basically, he says, well, he confirms, I can't be in sunlight. So even if I want to be with you guys, if I'm in the sun, I will disintegrate because without my shadow, how this gimmick works, if I'm exposed to the sun, I I actually die. So although yeah, we were he talking kinda, about kind of fake joins, he's like, oh. I'm just, I couldn't actually join you because of Yeah, because that's how the chapter ends, right? It's because I would love to, and then the next chapter, but... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so we were just talking about the revive, revive fruit, where could he revive again? And it's like, obviously, even if he couldn't, I I would, or he could, I I wouldn't want to risk it either if I was in Brooke's shoes, where I'm like, I don't want to test it. Not knowing. This is another power affecting my power, and I don't trust the odds, because I've only used my devil power. Devil Fruit Power one time. Well, actually, I will say this. if While we're talking about this as part of... I'd say it's really kind of relevant for the world building. Yeah. Because we actually saw it in this section twice, or we were alluded to it, is that the Devil Fruit Dictionary was mentioned by Sanji in this arc. Which, let's just get to that, because I don't really give a shit about Sanji's fight, and I don't want to mention it, because that's when he (laughs) mentioned it. So, the Devil Fruit Dictionary... Yeah, you you all know what's up. (laughs) The Devil Fruit Dictionary... It somehow was aware of exactly what this invisible, invisible, I don't, I don't even know the name of this devil fruit, which is truly sad, the real name of it, but the yeah. invisible fruit, it knew what it looked like, what it did, etc. Because Sanji had a really good grasp on Absalom's abilities. And in the same way, we saw Rook knew he was going to come back to life before he died. So I assume he had some kind of similar dictionary, devil fruit dictionary. So it's possible Possibly. that he knows how the Devil Fruit works, but we yet do not. The full extent of its power, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but I regardless... The, the whole Devil Fruit dictionary thing is incredibly intriguing for, you know, world building. And, and the fact that it even exists in the first place, yeah. Exactly. And of how, course... How, how it exists yeah. is very interesting. The only part that was really interesting about that fight, I will say, since I know we're skipping around, but since we brought up that fight real quick, is the confirmation that Sanji is just, in fact, a big fucking perv and he's, he's just, just straight Chad, up admits it. basically right <laughs> that archetype meme yeah where simp, i'm just like if you i will, want it. maybe a mix yeah. of both well not even that he's a tom he's a peeping tom where he just like i wanted to be invisible so i could just go to every like like woman's only shower room i could just peep on the girls <laughs> and like you're, like you're not even to talk to them or like be a suave dude like he learned how to be kind of is he just wanted to be a peeping Tom. He's not even the chat. He's the Tom. <laughs> so I'm true. like, he's, he's definitely a voyeur. That's his thing. Yeah. So that was a nice clarification to that. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we're going to say about that fight and go back to uh, yeah, the introduction much. to. Okay. So the cool, this, I will say, uh, as a meta statement right now in this first section here, right. Of the, let's say the invading the Island section. Uh, invading the, the boat, if you would. Sure. Yeah. Invading through <laughs> The Thriller Bark is the, probably the biggest ship in existence. I don't think there is too much of note. Like, there's some some little moments that are cool. Like, I thought the money, or the moment when uh, the Usopp group is in the carriage, and they're like, and Nami's like, oh, can you take us back to the shore? And For the your information, guide it's the is Nami like, yeah, group. sure. And they all just leave. You know, like, the, like the vampires and the zombie horses they just disappear. Yeah. And they're all just yeah, sitting so- in the carriage for ten minutes, like, silently waiting. Yeah, like, what's going funny. on? Yeah, so I wanted to say, if at the beginning of this arc, I was totally on board having fun. Because the Straw Hats, uh, against their will, they split up into two. There's, I guess you called it Team Usopp, I call it Team Nami. And then there's Team Luffy. 
Team Nami's section, it's basically an actual, like, Scooby-Doo horror, where it's like, it's not too serious, but when horror things happen, it's actually kind of scarier. I also noticed that whenever certain creatures or panels are drawn, it the, the blacker shades look sharper. Almost like, um, yeah. almost like Hellboy-ish or Frank Miller-esque, where yeah, it yeah. looks really dark and graphic novel-esque and scarier. And to a good extent, because that was really cool, like the creature, the Cerberus, like the, one of the first creatures we meet, that looks really cool. It's all stitched up and, you know, the yeah. poor dog has sensitive feelings. Don't make fun of the fact that one of the heads is a fox. Don't make fun of it. <laughs> and but then oh, when boy. Team Luffy is a couple steps behind and they interact with the same stuff uh, Team Nami went through, it turns into a comedy. Because Luffy goes yes. through, and they meet the same Cerberus, and he turns into Steve Irwin, getting his bug catcher net from Pokemon, going, I'm gonna catch it! And then mm-hmm. you're just, all these yeah. hilarious moments. Where That's the one thing I would say is worth of noting, just that, the parallel, because it is like, the Luffy group following, as you say, the Nami group's path, yeah. like almost one for one, and the difference in the portrayals like of those scenes, how it is. Yeah. Because it's the three weakest Straw Hats, no one's going to argue that, in a group, and then all the other strong Straw Hats in the second group. So this so first yeah, group the- is, like, terrified, it's horrific, there's monsters yeah. everywhere, and they're scared, oh, but when the second for- group comes through, like, the monsters are scared. Like, yeah, you know, so... It's yeah. the opposite. Sorry, I was going to say, to remind people, with our listeners, who forget the group compositions, Team Nami is Nami, Usopp, and Chopper. Team Luffy is the rest. It's the powerhouses. It's Luffy, yeah, Robin, <laughs> Zoro, Sanji, Frankie. <laughs> all you all you would need is Luffy, Zoro, and Sanji to say that that group busted, but also have and Robin you, and Frankie. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So that's why it turns to a comedy where, like, for example, they come across classic zombies coming out from the ground. The zombie scene the- you have to mention. Yes, I have to mention, this made me laugh so fucking hard. I think it was the hardest I've laughed, actually. Where, yeah, so setting up the the context is Team Nami, they run into, yeah, they're stuck in the carriage, as we mentioned. Um, They were on their way to the spooky haunted mansion. Classic tropes, loving it so far. And they are like, oh, they're actually fighting the zombies, we're outnumbered, and it's a real threat. They're being outnumbered, Uh, Usopp finds out they're weak to fire, oh my god, I got bit, am I gonna turn? Like, Like, there's a couple, like, classic horror tropes but it's still you know it's one piece but it's also horror themes you're like okay i'm on board with this and then when luffy's team gets that same graveyard with the zombies the first zombie comes up luffy just looks at it with a stern face and just puts his hands on the zombie's head and just pushes it slowly back into the ground (laughs) you don't want this you don't want this It is truly peak Luffy and peak One Piece. Even just talking and thinking about it, dude. Just when I first read those panels, going, "Oh, is it just gonna be like?" Because I was thinking comedy in terms of like Shonen. I was thinking like, "Oh, are they gonna do like one attack like from Zoro, and they're all just gonna be beheaded or something, and still talk because they're zombies?" And it's like, no, it's Luffy starting off just going, "Just go back, just go back in the hole, just go, just push you back into the ground." Like you don't want this smoke. He went from trying to wind to catch, like, the Cerberus um, dog into... Is it redundant to say Cerberus dog? Whatever. To capturing the Cerberus to just push the zombie away. Just, like, just... You don't want any of this. Shut. <laughs> so fantastic. Um yeah. It was a really good, a good mix-up between the two teams. Absolutely. I was totally on board with the themes going on here. Um, unfortunately, I think this is where... Uh, I say unfortunately in hindsight, but at the time, I was a del- uh, it was a nice surprise. I think it was at this part, where they talk to one of the zombies that turns out to just be an old man. 
that Luffy was just saying over and over yeah, again yeah. as a joke, but turns out that it's actually an old man. He's like, look, um, it's an old man with serious injuries. Like, it's zombies! <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? But, um, we get a, oh, things are real. We don't have, we, it's not just the tension of finding the shadow for Brooke and finding the other straw hats now. It's, by the way, Gecko Moria got us here and trapped. And then Robin goes, oh, that's one of the seven warlords. And I went, what the fuck? I was not expecting that. Because the way it first started, it acted like a Scooby-Doo episode and i'm totally down for that it it would have been like encountering uh a warlord in the baby fight yeah so yeah yeah so at the moment of this reading i was expecting skypea slash baby fight back fun filler arc i'm i was down i'm having a lot of fun personally and then we get this drop and i'm going oh my god we're gonna get a crocodile level enemy now instead of like a goofy cartoon villain or maybe some cool gut monster i don't know and I was getting really excited, and I'm thinking a s- another warlord because we only knew three at this point, right? We know Crocodile and we know uh, Kuma, and I think I forget his name is it Doflamingo, Mihawk, Dofl- and Doflamingo, Mihawk, Doflamingo, right. and Kuma I, I, are the three, right? Honestly, I forget Mihawk's a warlord because I feel like yeah. he's still like echoes above everyone else. <laughs> um, There's definitely a power gap there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like it for sure. But then we get another one. In the longest time, we get a new one. And I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be a horror-themed. This guy's going to be looking like Alucard, some vampire-looking dude. Maybe he's going to be suave. Maybe it's going to be a big, brutish monster. It's going to be slimy and scary or, you know, very classy with, like, a like a, a wine cup of blood. Something classy mm-hmm. and classic, tropey. And instead, we get a heavier version of Count Chocula. And uh-huh. I'm going to be honest. Well, let's talk is- about Gecko Moria. <laughs> I can all right, tell you what right. I'm about to say. Uh, yeah, so even pre-recording, I was just going off. I'm like, dude, if they didn't say this was a pirate warlord, I think I would have been like, yeah, sure. Because again, I'm one of the few people who enjoyed Baby Fight Back for what it was. I knew it was a side adventure, super short. People are absolutely on the right side to hate that arc. I understand. I'm the weirdo that likes a side adventure for the fun of it, if it's fun. I do too. And if this arc was still a fun arc for the sake of being fun, I would have still been like, he's still the worst designed character, but I'm not offended by it. Because, you know, he's not a main villain. It's fine. You know, focus on the future arcs, right? Focus on the important. Instead, he's one of the seven warlords of the sea with an incredible cool power. His power is cool. The shadow, shadow fruit. Yeah. And the gimmicks of how it works. We haven't gotten exactly into how how far it works and that's fascinating to me but we go we know this guy is kind of similar to crocodile where he wants to conquer the world but he wants to do it via an army of zombies and that's like okay that's horror trophy but the way he looks is just so i have a picture of him actually opened up on my tab right now and he, he, he is, is enormous first he that's is, one thing. He, yeah that's the one part about him that's intimidating is that he's tall but yeah, as soon as <laughs> but he nailed the intimidation factor have you? yeah so spoilers for the end of this arc too Kuma the Tyrant shows up. Awesome name, by the way. Kuma the Tyrant shows up, and they have a one-on-one where they're standing across from each other talking, and immediately that large intimidation that uh, Moria had is gone. Immediately. Yeah, because Kuma's also <laughs> enormously imposing. Look at this cartoony, like, soda bat-looking dude. And he's not even batty. He's just goblin-looking. I don't know. He's just so disappointing. Like, I'm looking at his default picture, too. I'm just like, ah, 
you wish you were scary. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I'm looking at Kuma the Tyrant, who's not meant to be scary, and I'm thinking, that dude's fucking scarier. I'm just looking at that dude. He, he's he got a very menacing aura to him. Yeah, almost a tyrant-like approach to him. So I actually told you this before, and I have another... Sorry, guys. Another gripe with the linguistics choice of terminology. It could have been a translation issue. And your issue was, what's wrong with Kuma the Tyrant? That's so fucking cool. And I'm going, I agree. This is not something that's like Aqua Laguna, where I'm just like being picky about like, it's just harder to say than Aqua Laguna. Just switch the Q to a G. Just flip it. Mirror it. In this case, I'm going, wouldn't it be cooler if it wasn't Kuma the Tyrant, but instead Kuma the Khan? Like Genghis Khan. Like the cons, and I'm yeah. thinking like oh, it, it yeah. is a ruler, it is a tyrant, a conqueror, and you have the alliteration advantage where it's easier to say Kuma the Khan or Kuma Khan. Yeah, we'll have to find out why exactly that's his epithet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So on this point, I'm not saying it's bad at all. It's a really cool name. I'm just saying Kuma the Tyrant is a nine out of ten name. I'm thinking Kuma the Khan might be a ten out of ten name. I don't know. People probably gonna be telling me I'm full of shit, but I don't know. That's the first thing I thought. But either way, no complaints. Sorry. Going back to Moria. <sighs> so, God, what else can I say about this dude other than, oh, we get, we're kind of skipping ahead here too, but he gets his final fight, which, let's Honestly, be honest, is not the climax of this arc at all. It's not. But I was going to say, it's I not. feel like really that whole middle section, it kind of just melds together to a point. It really like does. like that ending section again when Kuma arrives, you know? Yeah. So I'm so, totally fine just hopping around and hitting the highlight. Yeah. So I'm going to just mention it here where, yeah, Luffy has almost, it's kind of like a group effort with the Straw Hats versus Moria at the, near the end. But I think it's fair to say Luffy does to, like, does like most of the fight against Moria after, at this point, right? Jumping ahead here. And it's just incredibly disappointing where I think we should explain how the Shadow Shadow works, right? Because it is an interesting and cool power. I will say that. That's See, the best part about this character. I was going to say it's a cool power, but it felt a little ass pulley to me. Through yeah. The, through the yeah. I'm, all right. I, we're getting. I'm not that interested in like this. All right. We're getting. Breakdown. Yeah. All right. We're getting to that disappointment critique territory. Here we go. Yeah. I didn't so like have, the fight with Moria at all. No. I felt his powers were ass pulley. He got the powers that he needed at the time to just to make it more of a challenge for the Straw Hats. With overall, it's whatever. You know, like I said, because this arc is kind of in a side. Yeah, kind of, but actually not at all. But it is a fun adventure arc that is ultimately a cooldown from an amazing saga. Yeah. So we actually, I actually wanted to bring that up at the beginning of this. Thank you for reminding me. Is Thriller Bark has the very unfortunate place of being right after one of the greatest arcs in mm -hmm. fiction. The it could have been Alabasta and still been like people would have exactly. Been it could have been Alabasta. It could have been like you know how I was I was looking at Water Seven was like Alabasta and Arlong Park put together, and this arc could have been Arlong Park again. It could have been Alabasta again, but it wouldn't have been Water Seven because and it would have been overshadowed by it. So no matter how exactly. good Thriller Bark was, unfortunately, it's just gonna be compared with how much enjoyment we had. But that's why I was ho open to the fact that this would have been a super filler side arc because like why bother trying to compete? Let the cooldown period pass and then go for your next story arc beat. But that's why I was curious why they Oda decided to make this a warlord of the sea. A warlord, yeah. Yeah, and not just just focus on Brook. Like I love okay, let's go back to Drum Island. That villain was just your cartoonishly evil king, right? He yeah. had a unique power too. But the the main focus was Chopper and his story. So in order for this arc 
could have been really great too, the same way Drum Island was, despite having a very weak villain. But the arc was aware how weak the villain was. So if this arc decided, yeah, I think maybe like an if he was an ex warlord, that decided had like maybe he suffered a big not, loss. He got like excommunicated, quote unquote. I'm not recovering. even thinking ex warlord. I'm thinking like someone who got lucky with like finding the shadow shadow fruit and got like really ambitious in a short time period. That would be but, good. That would be good. Or why not just have Doctor Hogback, one of the more intriguing side characters introduced, be the main villain in a weird way, and have Ors be the main fight. Because yeah, the Ors fight very easily had Hogback just have yeah. the Shadow Fruit himself. Yeah, have Hogback be stronger. Be... Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Now we're going to. Yeah, this is kind of weird because now we're. I going guess to the like downside is territory. what they're thinking. Yeah, hypothetically, is that they didn't want Chopper fighting the big bad and Chopper. Hogback I would have kind of I... Chopper's villain, quote unquote. Yeah, but if I'm he's thinking, the strongest I... Moria. Only Luffy can beat him, and then you lose some yeah. narrative. But here I am yeah. thinking I would have been down for that because again the groups get split into two. And we have a comedy in the second half. So I'm thinking the first half, make that the main focus. And Chopper, Nami, and Usopp get the main highlight reel. And they have Brooke come in at some point, right, as the new character. And then Chopper being on a more personal level with Brooke, because I just mentioned that, you know, relation to Drum Island, where Brooke's going through his character arc and Chopper can relate. And while he also has a connection with the Hogback. I don't know. We're going through, like, hypotheticals where I'm going, I wish yeah, instead I think Hogback overall... was the main villain. I, I did like Thriller Bark. I, I'm kind of start agreeing with you. I think that's an interesting take that could have been done pretty well. Yeah. I, I don't hate Thriller Bark. I think it could have been better. There are things I don't like about it, but I had fun. Yeah. I'm more, maybe even more on the read-throughs than I did the first time, but... Yeah. The, the first, first time, time I had it, it was an interesting experience for me because I had this the dread over me because that is where I caught up. I was like, oh, no, I'm almost to the end of One Piece. Yeah. And I have to read week to week from then on. Which, of course, mm -hmm. I did. History, <laughs> history. Here I am in Wano, still reading week to week. But, yeah. Yeah, so that did affect my first read-through, because I was kind of, like, trudging through it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to finish, you know? Like, I don't want to stu get stuck in the middle of an arc, and... But, obviously, I got over all that, so... Yeah. Just going back to what my expectations were, cause, because when the arc started, it started off with, oh, Dr. Hogback is here, and Chopper getting excited, right? So I'm thinking... And this is before Gekko Moria was mentioned. So I'm thinking, oh, so Hogback is going to be, because again, we're going through classic horror tropes. He's going to be the crazy mad scientist, right? He's going to do this crazy thing. And I thought, oh, he's making all these zombies. Because we learn, like, this is like the weird, not, not the weird, sorry. The underutilized side story of, like, the philosophy of how, what a doctor should be able to do and the moralities of treating people. Because Hogback is, you know, he presented himself at first to be, like, a doctor with great ambitions where it's like, what if I found a way to bring someone back for just five minutes, right? So you can have your final words with your spouse, with your friend who passed away, right? It started off as something just, or, like, or like, you know, not just, sorry, something... Well-intentioned. Well-intentioned, exactly, thank you. And then Chopper being on board with that. But then I was thinking, obviously, as we go on, oh, he's clearly has, he clearly got mad with power, and these zombies are long-term zombies, and he's fine, and basically he's finding out how to be the second uh, Dr. Vegapunk, who we get another mention in this, right? Right. So I'm thinking, oh, so Hogback wants to be another Vegapunk. He wants to be the next Dr. Hojo. Sorry for another Final Fantasy reference. And and therefore, he created his ultimate creation, right? We get our Frankenstein trope, right? Where we get ores. Put the shadow of Luffy or someone really powerful into this giant zombie body I created. Boom. Right? Yeah. And then the whole experimentation is, I found a way to 
turn this fruit into like a power. Like he find a way to utilize its powers without eating it. I thought that would have been a very clever um what if scenario. But obviously wouldn't work because it's that very flawed been, yeah. and and then Straw Hat's exploiting it. That way we keep the best parts, right? Where we have the ores fight, which by the way, we talked about how bad the Gecko Moria fight was. It's even worse because it's sandwiched in between the Ors fight right before it, which is actually great. We see all the Straw Hats working I together love to bring back the a giant. Fight, yep. Yeah, it bring to bring back a giant, basically a giant kaiju. It's and awesome we, seeing a team the, fight, the first yeah. really, well, at least in a long, long time, like a really big, oh, full absolutely. straw hat, almost team attack, everyone except for Luke is there, and just watching them all play off each other in that Oris fight, that is a yeah. great, great chapter. And we get, yeah, and this, and I always say this is action, I usually skim through it, but whenever I see tag team combo, I start, like, I actually start looking, going, okay, who's doing this, who's doing that? Nami's doing this, Robin's doing this, Chopper's doing this, Usopp's doing this. And I'm just like, oh, this is so fun. And then bringing him down. Yeah. And not to mention, Ors is a fucking brute. He's actually putting down the straw hats one after yeah, the he's, other. He's even, even bigger than normal giants. He's an, yeah. uh, what, what do they call it? An ancient giant or something like that? An ancient giant. An ancient, an ancient giant race that of giants. Sunk a, like a, that sunk race, a city yeah. or sunk an island in his past. Like there was some backstory given to the, yeah, the he, original you know, he's, body. He's, he is named the Continent Polar. Ors. Which is a which is a great name, by the way. Yeah, that's um, also a great name. There's a lot of good epithets <laughs> in this arc. I'm not gonna lie. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. Sorry for listeners who are thinking that me, Justin, or both of us were being too negative. We do like this arc. It's just when there's a lot of potential for it to be even better, especially because they threw in the second warlord in there. I can't help but be like, be a little extra judgmental and put on my hindsight 2020 nerdy hats. Go well, actually, it would have been better if they did this instead. So I can't help but do that. I'm sorry. Especially but, when we're like dedicating actual time into like kind of thinking about the arc throughout the week, you know? Yeah, exactly. This, so. Yeah. So you mentioned how you read through this the first time and enjoyed it. And that was the same thing. When I finished this arc, I thought, especially because it does end fantastically. And I went, man, what a really good salt arc. But as time goes on, I'm thinking it's kind of disappointing. It's not as bad as Little Garden. Little Garden was just short. It had a lame villain too. <laughs> Bro. Nothing and will ever be as bad as Little Garden ever again. <laughs> just, <laughs> you just, just have to move on. Yeah, but yeah, it's not nearly as bad as that. It, absolutely. Like again, I do like Doctor Hogback. I love or Moria just being one of the warlords is just so disappointing. And not to mention, oh, I mentioned sandwiched in the fight. Sorry, uh, Moria's fight is sandwiched between um, Or's actual takedown and obviously the unique form Luffy takes, which is like very blocky and huge. Yeah, and then the, we, the Shadow Luffy. Yeah. And then after a Moria fight, we get a tiny taste of what Kuma can do. And I'm like, ooh, you're doing that Luchi thing back in Water 7. Just a tiny, just a just little a bit taste. of taste. Just a little mm -hmm. taste. Just a little just taste. taste. And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh my god. Like, and with a power as simple as the pawpaw fruit. Where he's like, oh, anything with a paw, a paw-shaped stuff. And it's See, like, that's a weird devil fruit also. That is super weird. I didn't expect a pawpaw fruit to have all these powers. I would have thought it would have just made him look, act like a bear. <laughs> or can, like, you know, okay, like, let's, let's just give it the rundown of what we know it can do. We know it can remove pain. That's the most fascinating one. I was hoping you would say that. That one is last, so on. interesting. Yeah. That that's like that's always the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about it because I don't understand how it does that in particular because I don't I don't understand what it does at all to be honest yeah <laughs> except or, that or it can make paw shaped things that can do other things 
Also, if he hits you with a paw-shaped handprint, it teleports you somewhere. That was the weirdest one to yes, me, too. Yes, he can apparently teleport people. That I, I, Like, I wasn't sure. Bye-bye, was... Perona. Rip. Potential. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Question mark. Yeah. Corona. Yeah. She just. Yeah, the, that was. Our, she's just gone. That happened. Yeah. Okay. So our Kuma did encounter Perona, one of you know Moria's henchmen. One of the I side love. Picks, yeah. Perona has an amazing design. I will say she has. I was gonna, one of my favorite designs in One Piece. I was gonna say really sad to her standing next to Moria. To a a Tim Burton inspired uh, punk maid, basically, is who she is. Yeah. Who she is. She is, is swagging. I love Perona. What? With a very classic possession devil fruit power. It's very classic. I can possess bodies and I can do shit with the bodies. And, and or was it illusion? Yeah. Or it was ghosts. It was ghosts. Um yeah, and then yeah, the and then she, conf- <laughs> then she confronts Kuma. And then it, at first I wasn't sure if it was teleportation. I thought he was so strong, it was like playing Super Smash Brothers, and you're doing like the strongest attack on someone who had like nine hundred ninety nine percent damage. So you know mm-hmm. when you do like fucking punch yeah, on that character, seriously. they just they just teleport she just away. Flew away. It really did look like that. She and was just gone. And she now gone. that's it. She's she's gone. That's the last time we saw her. Yeah. Gone. It's, bye it's bye. essentially Jeez. the same thing that happened uh in Eni's lobby to Kumadori. Remember that? When Monster uh, Form Chopper just tossed him away. Right. And then yeah. never saw him again the whole hour. <laughs> he was just gone. Gosh, yeah. And so and yeah, so we get he can teleport people, which is a big what if. How far can he teleport people? Are they just somewhere else on the island? Or on the boat, sorry. Are they somewhere else on the Grand Line? Are they on the other side of the world? Are they on a different planet? Are they in space? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Upon so the we, ocean. That's a very interesting power. And does yeah. he do anything else? Uh, He can... He has a mighty forceful power. Like he can stick out his He blocked paw attacks and... with it too, right? He blocked. He it's like redirect. Sword attack they or mentioned something? something about like redirecting light or like light powers. So it's like he sticks his paw out, and anything that's in the shape of a paw after it shoots forward is like a laser beam almost, and disintegrates anything in its path. Wasn't that what's happened? Oh, uh, I don't even know, dude. This <laughs> is insane. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of question marks for Akuma the Tyrant, and yeah. I'm down because to me. That is a warlord. Some of people the sea. just like Luffy. Luffy is strong through a combination of himself and making his devil fruit work. And there are and many then, people clearly <laughs> just getting carried by their ridiculous by their devil fruit. Fruits. Exactly. There's got this two broken. of them in this arc. Both <laughs> the warlords, Moria and Kumar, just have stupid busted devil fruit. At least Moria's power, it makes more sense with how they explain it like i feel like even if they explain to me how kuma's powers work i'm just going that's that's huh? true at least on some <laughs> level some of the moria's uh powers are like they're related to shadow oh soul, wait superstitions wait. okay what? wait 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 okay we're talking about kuma's power we also learn he's a fucking terminator continuing our horror themes of the arc He's the fucking uh, Terminator. <laughs> yeah. He is a government agent that explains, like, his cold demeanor. I'm like, okay, he's not just a cold character. He's literally a cyborg like Frankie, but, like, government-funded. <laughs> so yeah. it's, like, extra, like, Terminator power. So I'm, like, thinking now, I'm thinking maybe his pawpaw fruit is more of an amplifier to his crazy sci-fi tech of teleportation and damage, uh, damage rerouting. And maybe the pawpaw is just there to, uh, like, you know, like multiply the power. I don't know some like shonen logic where it, like it multiplies the it, something numbers. Okay, something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know enough about Kuma for me to confirm. I kind of refuse to believe that 
all of this is because of the pawpaw fruit, and it was just through some rigorous training or like some experimentation. I think that they found a way to give this robot. Oh, that would be. I didn't even consider that. Maybe it's like it it's is, more of the maybe robot. the devil fruit was changed. Yeah, by the experimentation. And the pawpaw is more of a battery. Yeah, it, the pawpaw is more of a battery and uh, an aesthetic as well. That's why it's paw shaped. That stuff. would be interesting. So. Who knows? I was, I'm thinking more of that. I, again, we're horror themed here, so I'm thinking Terminator. I'm thinking, you know, the mother, <laughs> the mother AI brain from that series. But yeah, so unfortunately, so long discussion, but we can summarize down to just Moria is just a disappointing villain, unfortunately. Um, his, <laughs> his goodies are actually more interesting in some way or another. Uh, somewhat. We already mentioned, uh... Yeah, I don't love Absalom. We mentioned him in Perona. No, so... Absalom's most significant feature is the name. It's another... It's a stretch, but it is a biblical reference. I actually... I was wondering why... Yeah, I was wondering why, like, the name sounded familiar. And I looked it up, I was like, yeah, it's supposed to be a story, uh, within the Bible where he's the son of King David. And that character basically is just, he was so charming and loved. But he was such an incompetent ruler, and that was the, the tragedy of that story, where he was just like, oh, the people thought he'd be a great ruler, but he wasn't. And he w- did some serious, d- horrible shit to get power. Now, obviously, Absalom didn't do it in this arc. The only thing that, con- that contained was he was an incompetent leader. Because yeah. we have this fake buildup of, like, here are the zombie generals of the island. They're all being occupied because Absalom kidnapped Nami and is trying to marry her. So therefore, they all get one-shotted by Ors when he does, like, an attack that, or Sanji, I forget exactly what happens, it all melts together, where, even after getting through the notes, and I'm just thinking, some weird creepo wants to marry Nami, I mean, who, like, realistically, who doesn't want to marry her? get a mind, bro. Yeah, exactly, and I'm just like, that's kind of funny, Sanji goes Super Saiyan, when he's so furious and angry. But at the same time, he's also a peeping Tom, so I'm okay, like... Okay, real quick, while we're there, do you, do you want to say absolutely anything about Sanji here? Uh, I thought it was kind of funny when he went Super Saiyan. I really thought that was kind of the funny. The fire Super Saiyan, okay, yeah. Fair. Yeah, where, like, his, the, even the smoke out of the end of his cigarette was lighting up too part of the aura. It was pretty funny. Um, But then, again, it was more like a character clarification where he was just like, Besides the fact that he's well-read and knows about a lot of the devil fruit, that is an important part probably going forward. The clarification that he is, in fact, a peeping Tom. And I'm like, I kind of knew that, but right. it's good that he admits it, right? Yeah, and he will admit it, obviously, because well Nami's knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nami's knocked out. Unfortunately, she's MIA for, like, half the arc. And again, like, just come on, man. Also, I think that's also why I have disappointment, too, where one of my favorite characters, Nami, she is a damsel in distress for, like, half the arc. And not in an entertaining way, like on Drum Island, where it's like, no, she's still useful, even though she's super sick. In this one, it's like she's kidnapped, and then she's forced to marry someone, and here's your knight in shining armor here to rescue you. And I'm just like, uh, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, she uh, gets out of it right away and, and joins the crew back in the last 20 chapters, but that was just... Uh, I feel like the middle is just the worst part of the arc. Like, the beginning, first 10 chapters, I'm super on board, it's super fun. Last 10 chapters, holy shit, can't wait for what happens yeah, next. Yeah, it's those middle 20 chapters. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's, it's a, a mixed of, like, this yeah. is okay. So, like, long overall, story. I can, I will actually, like, I would say literally, I basically have nothing else to say about anything else. I think the Zoro versus Ryuma, and, like, that how was, he kind of teamed up with Brooke, that was a pretty good fight. I liked the action. Cool. I also liked how they kind of 
or Oda, like, Zoro. he flipped it around the way that he told us that story. Like, we saw the Yeah, it makes you think that Zoro lost the fight, to that right? Point. I liked yeah, that. It was cool. It was well done. Also, but Zoro overall, gets like, his... I really have nothing else to say about that middle Zoro? section. Zoro gets a new sword. That's kind of cool. That is, yeah, but in this part, but then he beats Ryuma and gets uh, Shusui, he, I believe is his name. It's a heavier sword. Um, it, I don't know what color it is, but it looks like it's a black blade. I'm like, that's really cool. I like the um, look I believe it. it's black and red. Black and red? Oh, that's really, that's a great. I, I believe the design. waves are red. And um, I believe our friend Tony has it, so you can see it in person. <laughs> he has a cop. A cop <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our friend, yeah, he has a, uh, a small collection of, he's like, got he went almost to, a, He's got a couple of Zoro swords, and they all look awesome. Yeah, so, like, for those who don't know, you go to, like, Renaissance fairs. Uh, it's supposed to be, like, medieval-themed, but occasionally you just go to a store that has, like, replications of, like, fictional weapons. And you see, like, a keyblade there. You see, like we said, Zoro swords there. Or, like, default swords. And, obviously, you're like, I don't want a regular sword. I want that sword. <laughs> it's Zoro's sword. One day, um, somewhere on my wall, maybe, like, above my fireplace, I'll put, like, <laughs> three swords. Like, two of them crossing and one down the middle, you know? Maybe on, like, a coat of arm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Zoro swords. I'm pretty sure our friend has that planned out, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the the... I will say that Summer Fight was really cool, though. Like, I appreciate how short it was. It was very classic Samurai Zoro, Showdown. Zoro always has great action, you know? Yeah. His fights are fun to watch. Zoro, or Zoro, sorry, Oda is good at drawing sword fights. Yeah. Which he really it's... only gets to do for Zoro. <laughs> Especially because it was like, oh, we have the swordsmen, like, balancing on, like, the curved rooftops, right? That classic Samurai show in the, in the dawn of the night, right? In the dark of the night the curved rooftops and they're standing each other with the moon shining on them. Like it's very tropey, but it's also yeah. it's an undead samurai, which is also always cool. Who also had the shadow of Brooke, which shows us that, oh, Brooke is definitely a good skilled swordsman. We mentioned before his king yeah. doubles as a sword. He is not someone to lie by. Obviously he just at a disadvantage because his zombie has all of his ability plus the strength of an incredibly powerful yeah. samurai. So yeah, so I never got around, sorry, I never got around to actually explaining the Shadow Shadow extension, right? But I thought the neat gimmick was the the original owner of the Shadow still needs to be alive for this combination, this zombie, to be, a, to be a, I guess, alive, in quotes. Because if the yeah. person dies, I, I assume the Shadow kind of dies with them. Yeah, and then the corpse just goes back to just falling over and being Yeah, so the zombie couldn't remain animal. Mm-hmm. But if you manage to ship out away the body, right, with without a Shadow, you ship out the body somewhere or hide it somewhere. And then you keep that zombie alive, the powers, the personality of the shadows, as long as some of the powers, with some of the powers of the original corpse owner, like you mentioned, are combined. So that way that samurai was like a recipe for disaster. But luckily, Zoro was able to come out on top. Um, yeah. On a small scale, I think Usopp does have the best fight in this. On a small scale. Like, I think oh, obviously the ores yeah, is the best right, fight in this. You're right, and I'm wrong. There is something else I want to mention. We got a reappearance of Soki King. Sorry. Oh yeah, how can we gloss over that? Soga King is on Thriller Bark as well. Soga King is literally a transformation Usopp gave himself, where he's just like, he, "Oh, I'm cornered. What do it, I do?" It seems like at this point, like he gave himself a power up, right? Like it's yeah. his own Super Saiyan form. Like I can't get out of this. I can't do anything in this situation. But Soga King can. Right, just puts he puts the can. mask on, and yeah, and then all Not of a sudden he's badass. Yeah. So okay. So part of the reason. Okay, who's a? It's Perona, right? That's the person he fights. Perona, yes. Prona. So, a part of her power is she possesses objects or people, but she can also send out negative ghosts. And mm -hmm. I thought it was such a hilarious, I guess personally for me, I thought that was hilarious, where all the negative ghosts are 
like oh they're almost perfect anyone they touch immediately the person becomes depressed to a hilarious level where they're just like i don't exist i am lesser than the sand i'm standing on but usopp is immune and to me i'm thinking it's because he's an artist <laughs> because <laughs> artists are always made fun of to be wow. the most cynical depressed people and they're always the most he, creative he lives and thrives in depression <laughs> on yeah on, on depression on negativity and then perona does her shocked uh one piece face i say pikachu face i mean one piece face and she has From her a own reminder face. that depression is a very real very serious issue and should seek help if you believe oh, abso- it. and maybe absolutely. even if you don't believe so please continue absolutely not to belittle that at all, sorry. Yeah. It, it was just the, the common trope of, like, the artist is only as good as how, like, how sad they are, how cynical they are. And Usopp yeah. being the it, artist It is of comedical depression, right? It's not it meant is. at all to be, like, a real, you know, like, oh, they suddenly become hopeless. and But it's, it's funny. It's comedic. And, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And then we find, like, this little, like, game of cat and mouse where Usopp has the edge. Then Perona has the edge. Usopp has the edge again. Perona has the edge. Suga King! has the edge and comes out on top. It is such a clever banter too, where I think, again, I think this is the best fight besides the Ors fight because it's Usopp using his brain. He's figuring out like, okay, this is her weakness. This is where the body's at. I need to find a way to trick her into getting back into her body so I can deliver like the final blow. Yeah, and I agree with you. Walks off like a boss taking off the mask, going like, I came out on top. I'm yeah. just like, hey! I like how he, he works his way through the fight. Like, wait a minute, she was running away from me just a second ago, and now she's so confident. Something must have changed in the time we all couldn't see her. We also, like, we, you know? also, yeah. we also get a comeback of the mental warfare hammer, where it's like, I, it, it, it weighs 5,000 tons. You will be uh, smashed into <laughs> he He did defeat her psychologically at the end, too. <laughs> he did, she, exactly. She passed out from <laughs> stress. From pure shock and stress, exactly. So that's why I Big love that fight. Plays like, yeah. from Usopp. Yeah, not fully. Yeah, I, I agree. I would. Like I, I would maybe even say for me, my favorite fights are like maybe Usopp or is it then Zoro one two three. Every every mm-hmm. other fight is basically irrelevant to me in this arc. To be totally yeah. honest, but yeah, I would maybe say, or is Usopp Zoro. Yeah, there's a couple of like nods here and there of like cool teammate moments. Um, there's a part where Frankie shows off how how quick. And creative he is, where he, he can literally bridge, build. Yeah. He can build bridge on the fly. He can build a staircase to. He- and I like how he decorated the handrails too while building it. And yeah, Usopp's but- like, "Man, you even decorated." He's like, "I never do half-assed job." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, t- like to pull the Guns and Roses reference here because we have the slash reference again. Is that he can build a stairway right going to Heaven's door, so he can go knock on Heaven's door. Who is that? Just Frankie right there with the fucking staircase. Yeah, he right he there. really did build the stairway to heaven. Just go. Yeah, up that is <laughs> a that's air. a that that is a Led Zeppelin reference. The that's knock, a, that's the, name the of knocking episode. on heaven's door. Yeah, knocking on heaven's door. That's the Guns and Roses reference. Um, try to combine the two there. Sorry, but I want. I think stairway to heaven there. has to be the name. It's perfect <laughs> of this episode. Nah, it's it's gotta be sweet stairway child to heaven, of mine. Colon, thriller bar. No, 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 no. It's it's sweet child of mine, and I'm gonna tell you why when we get there. But first, uh, oh, okay. last last things, last things, last things. Um, Usopp fight was good. Um, the conclusion with oh, so we bounced around a little bit, but we're like we're bouncing around a lot in this arc because obviously I want to clo- close off on Brooke again. I want that's what I want to close off on. Um, but before we get there, there's something else I wanted to bring up. Like, obviously, I mentioned the disappointment, right, of Nami being out again. Um, oh, yeah, she I was mentioned... actually kind of sidelined for, for most she of the She was action. super sidelined. 
She was sidelined from and the And I will say a uh, shout out to, to the docking, pirate docking. That was oh. Robin just like, <laughs> I absolutely yeah. refuse. So like, that's, with a straight okay. face, that, that yeah. killed me. That, okay, so, yes, thank you for reminding me. The A good character highlight is because Robin is officially a fully-fledged straw hat now. And this arc, she does shine. Like, I want to say Brooke was the best character in this arc, but honestly, I think Robin might be second place for best Close character Close second. Or, or Zoro. Ah, that ending for Zoro was just so strong. It and was he absolutely. had a direct role in, in like, I'm going to help our new crewmate and go get his shadow back. I think Zoro yeah. had a very strong showing in this arc. I also think, though, because being overshadowed by the previous arc, it's a double-edged sword, because also my memories are fresh on, I remember, Robin's currently one of my favorite straw hats right now, if not my favorite. And this arc, we see her, she still has the kind of a stoic attitude, but we definitely see her more uh, more characterized in this one a lot more. Where, like yeah. you mentioned, where there's a moment where Frankie and Chopper and all the pirates are just like, quick, assemble into life! <laughs> And did, like doesn't Ultron. Robin think in the beginning that a couple of, like, the monsters are cute-looking? Or doesn't she say I, it out loud even, maybe? I think so. It's one of the moments where, yeah, Luffy, like, gets the, the bug catcher net and tries to catch Cerberus, and then she's like, oh, how cute, right? It thinks it's a mm-hmm. There's also funny. a moment where... Because it's absolutely not cute. <laughs> well, it's cute to her. And then they're, like, they're determining, like, the teams to go out, and then Robin wants to join the Team Luffy. And then, why do you want to go? And she's like, I enjoy a good thrill. And it, she does the usual, like, Back, call it back to the end of Alabasta where she's like, what do you do, Robin? And she goes, assassination, heart, right? Like, it's supposed to be like a cute <laughs> little moment. Yeah. But in this case, Robin's going, I enjoy a good thrill, heart, tee-hee. And I'm just like, <laughs> I imagine like a stoic personality kind of done that where like, I enjoy a good fight. <laughs> like, she's just like, nonchalantly like, I, I want to go on out. I'm having a fun adventure now. I'm, I'm, I'm a pirate officially now. And there is one attack she does because I have very sensitive eyes that stuck out to me a lot. They're fighting, like, this reanimated giant zombie spider at one point with Frankie. Which, by oh. the way, Robin and Frankie, great duo. The, the, all the, the Both the new characters from, like, that escalated in Water 7. So it was really great oh, to see them yeah. as a duo. Real quick. They were, yeah, it was, it was a good moment. Um, they're fighting, like, this giant spider. And then Frankie goes, buy me some time. And there's an attack where Robin has a bunch of hands. Oh, can we mention real quick, too? She can glide? Yeah, the, I, the hand wing. Which is, I like, I know this came out before the game Bayonetta, where you, like, glide with wings that come out from the back, uh, from her back, like a butterfly. But in this case, she forms her hands enough to glide real quick, because it forms enough, like, air resistance to glide temporarily. And I'm just like, this is such Bayonetta vibes right now. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted, sorry. Going back to the eye attack. She has, like, ten hands that come around, like, the one good eye from the zombie spider and just slaps it all at once. And I yeah. felt that pain, man. I'm just like, it makes sense Robin would do it. She fights dirty, but she's great yeah. at it. And Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, that's brutal. Oh, but it works. Um, but yeah. yeah I, Robin is not afraid to take the dub in any way necessary. She's also you know? not afraid to tell the Straw Hats, you guys are being too silly and you're embarrassing me, please stop. When they're trying to form the mech, right? With We mentioned yeah. earlier, the, the, the Voltron mechaform. And then, Robin, we need you, be my other arm! And she's like, I can't do it. Why? Because I, as a human, wouldn't be able to withstand it. <laughs> and then you have all the Straw Hats going, oh, she's too cool for us! <laughs> <laughs> it was, again... Some yeah. characters like Nami are sidelined, but Robin got some great characterization in this. So glad to see some characters came out. Um, 
Anything else before we go into the the full main course of this arc, yeah. the finale? Uh, do you want to talk about finish up Brook first, or talk about the thing we'll that do, didn't happen? Uh, we'll do. You're talking about Zoro, right? Zoro and yeah. Kuma. Mm-hmm. I think we'll do that first because Brook is the okay, highlight of this. So let's talk about that while we're here at this end segment. After yeah. all the fights wind down, we get as most of you listening know. If you've read this at this point, the Kuma appears again. He's, I think he's there. He said he's there to take out Luffy or capture Luffy. And Zoro's pretty much the only one still left standing, I believe, at this point. Yeah. And Kuma he's does just like an not going to let that happen. Oh, no. Frankie is up too, right? But he gets uh, taken out really quickly. No. So Frankie is the first to get knocked out, actually. Uh, Sanji is the other one still standing. Sanji and Zoro are. Okay. The, okay. They survive his, like, his, you know, Vegeta AoE attack, yep. where he just pulverizes everyone, knocks them out. Uh, Zoro and Sanji are, are awake still, and they both have, like, again, like, a little rivalry where they're trying to prove their loyalty to Luffy, even though he's knocked out, going, uh, take me instead, not my captain, and Sanji goes, no, me instead, right? They kind of have, a, like, a competition where they're competing against each other. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the deal like, that Sanji was had a really good line there, too. He said, like, like trust me, like, among everyone on this crew, the person who's going to be the most trouble for you will be me, so take me instead. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the deal that comes across is... Really trying to sell himself, basically. You know, oh, absolutely. Zoro yeah. And Luffy. Yeah. As problems, I, as problems I have with Sanji, he does always come out with a clutch on the good moments like this. He does. Even if he has a weak part in this arc, but he he's still has... still my boy, you know? He comes out. He comes out. He's a um, simp, but he's my boy. <laughs> he's a, like, he's more than a simp now. He's a peeping Tom. He's, he's a, like, open He's a voyeuristic simp, but he's still my boy. <laughs> Oh, you know what I realized? We're talking about horror tropes, but one of the horror tropes is that we have the the classic like psycho uh killer shower scene, and oh, then yeah. Usopp is like scared of like admitting what he saw because I don't want Sanji to get jealous that I saw Nami naked in the shower. <laughs> yeah, that was good too. It was so funny like, when Nami was asking him like, "Tell me you didn't see that." He's like, "You're trying to get me to admit that I saw." Yeah, you you're kidding. Yeah, I won't you're, do it. I'm, I'm not gonna do it. Funny. I'm I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I had a I had a callback on that. Sorry, but um, but yeah. So ultimately, what we've decided that we see the first power you mentioned about the pop off route, or maybe part of the Terminator power, who knows? Yeah, is he's able to convert all the pain and suffering that Luffy went through because there was a part where what'd you call it? The shadow form? What'd you call it? Shadow form, right? Uh, or shadow Luffy, yeah. Shadow Luffy, yeah. Because he had a bunch where, of shadows pushed up. Yeah, all like all the shadows like pushed into him, so he has the combination of their strength and powers. Where he's temporarily a swordsman, real quick, because he got the shadow shadow for for him, mm-hmm. and uh, all the pain of withstanding all that, plus the pain of fighting Ors and Moria, and he accumulated all. He sucked it all out of Luffy into like this weird bubble of energy that shaped like a paw, obviously. And I will spare Luffy. If one of you guys can take this and handle it, because otherwise he just, they said take me instead, right? And he was mm-hmm. so sure that any of you guys handling this pain all at once, you're gonna die. The pain is gonna be overwhelming, and my job will be my work will be done, right? Or at least I will make an excuse in a way or another. Uh, I forget exactly how, but Zoro decides he will do it. It's a sneak peek where he knocks Sanji out. <laughs> he uses oh, he, the back he, of his sword and hits him in the head. Oh, of course, out. yeah. That's and he's first. like, it's me. Only one person left. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very Zoro thing to do, a very a pummel strike, if you would. Um, and it's also he, just, it's always nice seeing that they don't really hate each other, you know, Zoro and Sanji. 
Yeah, it's a it's a bro ship. It's more like it's a rivalry bro ship where it's constantly I'm the better guy. No, I am. But obviously they both care for the captain and the crew. And also real quick in this section, I, I want to note how pivotal I feel it is that Zoro literally uh, he uses the same word he used when him and Luffy first met because he said way back in Romance Thawne, like, don't get in the way of my ambition. Right. Mm. And here he says, like, my ambition is nothing if I can't protect my captain. So his, right. his priorities have clearly shifted then. I think it all makes sense. It's obvious. And here it's just stated clearly. And I think it's important and relevant to note. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually didn't pick up on that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, that callback to, again, Oda's very good at keeping track of characters, original lines and uh, motifs and goals. So that definitely goes in line with it. Absolutely. But the interesting thing is Zoro just temporarily like he gets a little taste of it right he has like a little hand touch of the paw and immediately i think it does like he's unprepared it actually does like push him back and knock him out and this is zoro we're talking about the person who almost one shot at uh, oars earlier and goes holy crap like that is so much immense pain and then kuma reiterates right where it's like again i will spare a captain if you can handle it and then zoro like the fucking badass he is just goes in all the way and takes it all and it's very unclear if he survives at first because the next chapter he's knocked out he's not he's unconscious for he's in a coma basically for a couple of days well even before that like when everyone wakes up and luffy's like wow i, I don't know why i feel so great oh, and then right, sanji exactly. wakes up and he's like oh no and he runs around he's looking around and he mm -hmm. stumbles upon just a field splattered with blood everywhere and zoro is still standing there just standing like unable to move probably because in so much pain Mm-hmm. So I actually I was actually unsure about that, where I'm just like, that is his blood, right? And this is like the shonen trope, right? With like yeah, characters can bleed so much blood. <laughs> they lose more blood that's actually in their body and still be alive. Yeah. It's it makes for some badass pants. Yeah, like um, an average cut on the, the finger of an anime child spills like a gallon of blood. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I I'm still remembering the good old days of the bleach manga anime where a single cut mm. it's fountain everywhere. But yeah, we get that same look where Sanji just realizes that, yeah, Zoro went through that. And then he gets knocked out afterwards. Um, and then we get to the finale that we want to talk about for this episode is Brooke. We've been bouncing around a lot, but we've definitely been avoiding this portion because this was revealed mm -hmm. actually much early in the arc. But to me, this was the incredible highlight of this arc. I guess, except maybe the pre-chapters. Wait, do you want to talk about that real quick before we get into Brooke? With Enaru? Yeah, we can we can give a quick, I guess, so, recap, right? Yeah, because the pre-chapters, we've been kind of skipping around, right? Like, we mentioned the one with Buggy, because it was like, holy shit, this is actually a character coming back. Holy shit, it's relevant again. We mentioned it again with Django and Iron Body Guy. Um, this time, I wanted to bring it up as a rookie, because uh, I have no idea what this is going. Because, but this is me going, this could be critical. Justin, yeah. please help me out here. Of course, he's probably going to say Rappo, but we'll see. Where... Enaru has his adventure, even before this arc, going to the moon, right? We knew that from Skypiea. But he gets there, and there are people there. There's a civilization there, and there's a, a war going on. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, these robots that look like Chopper, but without the horns? They're, like, they dress, they have, like, the American, like, World War II G.I. Joe, like, helmets, where it's, like, you know, the, the bull shape, but with the nets over it. Like, very World War II aesthetics, but then Enaru shows up, and he's, like, the savior to, like, these attackers. 
and then he resurrects like this terracotta robot army from beneath the surface of the moon. And I'm just going, what does this mean? <laughs> and it ends with Enru being seen as like the hero of this pre-chapter saga before it ends and they go into something else, I think. But I just wanted to bring it up because yeah, I'm just like, going, what is going on? This is this is sci-fi. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> uh, I didn't expect the pre-chapter with Enru to be entertaining at all. At all. Yeah. He's cool, but I'm like, eh, I don't care too much about him. But what I saw was just like, yeah, there are people on the moon. There was a robot factory on the moon, too, which implies there are, that's sci-fi territory. Yeah. If, they, if the Straw Hats ever go to the moon, and we talk about Thriller Bark being horror-themed, that's going to be sci-fi-themed, and yeah. sci-fi can go a lot of places. <laughs> let's, see, let's see if they ever get there. I don't know. I just want to bring it up. I'm sorry. That was this little side. Let's... Oh, your thoughts, by the way, on that. Uh, basically the same. It has very big implications that we will have to raffo to fully understand or think about more. Yeah, you know? I figured. I hate you. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. But yeah, I just want to bring it up to the listeners because I think a few of them would be like, you talk about this all the stuff about the mixed reactions. Like, did you mention that all the pre-chapter? Like, that was fucking cool. Like, I I didn't expect that at all. All right, let's let's start put let's stop pussyfooting. All right, let's jump into the main the main course. Final laboon, laboon. Who's laboon? You may say, fellow reader, listener here, going. The name sounds familiar, but what is that? If you recall, it was one of my joke responses where I was theorizing that laboon was secretly the actual one piece of it all. Going that this whale at the very beginning of the Grand Line, this scarred up whale who's missing his friends that he made years ago, 50 years ago, 53 years ago, hopefully to see them again. He has a big straw hat horribly painted on his front now, but he made the promise, right, to see his friends again, including the straw hats. We finally learn that Brooke was a part of the crew that befriended Laboon. And that was the big reveal that it was like 10 chapters in, I think, where he was talking to Frankie and eventually to Luffy and the gang, 20 chapters in, where he goes, yeah, I made a promise to a friend. And that's also why I can't join your crew, because I have a promise to fulfill. So it's a stretch to say that Laboon is, in fact, Brooks's One Piece. Is that a stretch here? Can I take a little mini win here? Can I, can, are you going to well, let me that? Yeah, I, I I say yes in the sense that it's his dream to get his back goal, to Bobby right? Yeah, the same dream, way that yeah. One Piece is Luffy's dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's his One Piece. <laughs> it, it's a stretch, but you know what? I'm gonna take it. I'm taking that as a dub. <laughs> Theory confirmed. It. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not to everyone, but at least to Brooke. But we get this very touching and sad backstory of also the origin of Brooke. Obviously, it's inevitable, right? New Straw Hat. We're gonna get the chopper format where. We get the back, or the Sanji format, if you would. That backstory right then and there. It's going to be tragic. We're going to see all the reasoning for it. And also, fully engages, we mentioned earlier, how and why Brooke is not really all there. He's antisocial. He's really rude and overly pervy. And like his dad jokes, he doesn't know how to turn it off. But we see him in the past, and he is a completely standout pirate captain. He's sociable. He loves to, like, play music with the crew. He is not very effective. He's second in command, first off. He's not the captain originally. He's second in command. But he is, like, the sociable, uh, gregarious kind of person. He's affable. 
great to get away. Again, he looks like an he's like a he, what he actually looks like in his human form. He looks like a mixture of Slash and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. He has the same like the, the same like circle glasses, kind of like what uh, Kira had. But he had the the fro and the hat. So I'm just thinking, of course he's so antisocial now. Because he lost all that 50 years of that personality gone being by himself. Where he's he and the crew, right? They're with Laboon. They're about to start on their adventure on the Grand Line. I think their ship takes ma- uh, bad damage from Reverse Mountain. But they're from their original ocean. Laboon, the baby whale, follows them. Laboon is separated from the family. We kind of learned that already. And Basically, for the full recap... Uh... Check our Reverse Mountain Whiskey Peak episode. Yes, exactly. So get or the full just read rundown it. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To get more uh, Laboon one-on-one. But, yeah, we learned that this baby whale befriended the crew, and the whale loves music for some reason. Whenever they're playing music, Laboon is constantly... And it kind of makes sense, too, right? They always say that sea creatures are always, like, making music underwater, like, trying to communicate to each other. Like, at least with the dolphins, I think they mentioned or you know, the sonars, they can communicate that way. So Laboon being separate from his family, it's like, this is the closest thing he has to any kind of communication. Yeah. Right? I think that's the head logic that Oda's trying to do here, or at least me being weird, that's my head logic in this. Anyway, they get along just fine. The crew is very happy. They're about to, they're very eager and ambitious, like every pirate crew in One Piece. We're going to sail the Grand Line, and we'll be back within, I don't know, three to five years. Laboon, can you wait here for us? Like, the Grand Line's really dangerous. We don't want you coming with us because we care about you. And they sail, and unfortunately, I think they don't show it intentionally, right? They don't show exactly what happened, other than the fact that the crew gets massacred and there's a plague left over. Well, this, yeah, the, they got sick, is what happened. They got some is kind that, of sickness, is that why you, Is that why you brought up the, the lockdown thing, too? Because the plague kills off basically the entire crew, where they try to, like, isolate no, themselves. but <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sound smarter, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's not... I was just thinking about the, the psychological impact of, like, a lockdown. It's both, right? It's both in this case. It's both, where they realize... Uh, they, the plague's wiping out a lot of the crew, and I think they get poisoned too, right? Don't they fight a, a bunch of raiders and they poison the survivors with cuts? I forget how it works exactly. It's a mixture. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. Either way, I, at the end, they're all dying from sickness, right. poison, okay, or yeah. something. E- either way, it's a slow and depressing death. But all they have left is their music. Their instruments. So, uh, the newly formed Captain Brooke, because the captain dies before him, goes, all right, you know what? We're going to die. Let's go on a high note, right? We we can't go back and meet our friend, but you know what? Let's just go on a high note. Literally. And they start singing. They start singing the yo-ho-ho-ho. Uh, it's Brainy's Brew. Is it, what's it called? Brainy's Brew? It's Binks called Binks, Binks Sake, which sake is a Japanese type of alcohol, but Binks Brew is what we read in our edition. Okay, okay. Uh, I think I prefer Binks Brew. Again, alliteration. I was just going to say, is there, like, an official song for it? Because I was actually yes. curious, because in the manga... Okay, because right in episode, the... Yeah. So, okay, so big difference here. Um, in My Hero Academia, when they had, like, their little carnival arc, uh, in the manga, there's no lyrics. You just have to imagine the music itself, and it won't be until years later in the anime you actually hear and see that music performed. In this version, they actually give you... Oda gives you a whole script. Here are all the lyrics. 
imagine the song as yep, you would. Sing the whole song. Iambic pentameter, if you want. However, you want to look at the syllables, read it yourself. And obviously, I know the anime had their own version. I'm curious if there are it's, fan it's versions. Good. I was just thinking the same thing. Not that I know of. Because I was at the thinking, time that I caught up, it was already. I think it was already out in the anime. Or, yeah. Or no, no, it could. Because when I well, caught you, up, the manga was pretty much right here. Yeah, because I was wondering about I the fan thing. Them. I was wondering about the fan variations because the first time I was reading the lyrics, I was thinking it was more like low, where I was like, yo ho ho ho, yo ho. I, I was thinking it was low but fast paced. It's but a little, you look the way they sing it. They sing it like yo ho ho ho, yo ho. Exactly. So I was like. Mary. Yeah, so, and then you look at the, yeah, you look at the panels, and everything looks upbeat and high-pitched, and, you know, mm-hmm. full of energy, and plus, I'm also thinking, like, yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me, like, that kind of right. jovial tone, too. So, I'm thinking, okay, so it's not low, but maybe there's a fan variation out there, I'm curious. Anyway, I'll probably be looking that up later, but either way, that song is the reason why, uh, earlier, when... Brooke is offering, hey, what song do you want me to sing? Uh, what's the song again? Sorry, it's something brew? Binks, <laughs> Binks, Binks brew? is brew. Binks is brew. So he goes, Binks is brew? Okay, going right up. And they're like, we didn't even say to sing it. What the hell are you talking about? And he's like, I- I'm singing it. But we learned that song means so much to him because it's the song that they always sang with Laboon, and it's also the final song they sang as depressingly, one by one, each of the last of the crew dies as they sing. And you see Brooks going, all right, trio. All right, a duo. And then finally, solo it is, I guess. And then he dies. He's the last to die. And it's the worst case, too, because he saw his crew die before he dies, before he's revived and stuck in the fog. That is the Florian right. Triangle. And his adventure. And he probably up. had, well, the first thing he presumably had to do when he woke back up was like toss his crewmates' bodies off the ship. Yeah, give them their own versions of, like, a burial at sea in some way, the best he could. And we kind of see, too, where he's just losing it slowly, where he gets obsessed with, like, hey, look, triangle! Like, these little things keep him occupied. And it's like, yeah, how else are you going to entertain yourself where you can't die? Because you can't starve to death. You can't, well, he can try and drown, but he never actually tried doing that. So it's almost like he wants to still live. And obviously, you know, no one's going to want to jump off willingly. But he had a will strong enough to not do that. Because he still had a promise to see Laboon one more time, to meet him and see him. So we get that revelation, and the Straw Hats go, yeah, we know Laboon. Absolutely, we met him. We made a promise ourselves to him. And so finally, after they have like their final uh, party, right, we get the lyrics of the Brew song. Sorry, I keep forgetting the first name. Binks is Brew, sorry. Yeah. And finally, there's a very solemn, melancholy moment where Brooks is like having fun with it. Because this is so while the song is going through, he's remembering the flashbacks of him going insane. He's looking at the bodies of his former crew, and it is incredibly tragic and sad. And this is one of my own personal fears, too, so I hit harder, too, of isolation, of just complete mm-hmm. loneliness in the middle of the sea. I'm just like, oh, I would not survive at all. But he had a promise, and he was such strong will that he was able just not to end it, right? And... Finally, he finishes the song, and Luffy, right there, being Luffy and super happy because all the pain's gone. But also, it's Luffy. Let's be honest. Luffy would have been happy anyway. And he's just on the piano right there, just watching him play the piano. And then Brooks asks Luffy, and so the other way around, is it okay if I join your crew? Luffy, being Luffy, just goes, yeah, of course. Duh. (laughs) And of course, everyone else goes, 
are you serious? You're inviting a skeleton? Like, they did this earlier, too, right? Where they're like, you invited a skeleton without even knowing who he was? What the hell? But this case, even we, the viewer, we, the, we, the readers, are going, hell yeah, Brooks is awesome. A little yeah. socially awkward, but it makes total sense. And he'll probably be better as time Just goes on. Mm-hmm. So, now we have a very, uh, we have a new straw hat with another clear goal, which is make the round trip, meet Laboon again. We got a problem. All yeah, these. And it's been, it was a while between, I think, really Robin and Frankie joining, and then just immediately back to back, we suddenly get Frankie and Brooke. Yeah, and this was, again, without the usual trope of the beginning of the arc starting. Okay, we need a musician, guys. And then maybe five chapters later, you see your candidates or candidate right away. But in this case, it's, you know, more, it happened more kind of like Robin, where it's almost spontaneous. At the same time, we get the jokes over and over that Luffy said they always wanted a musician, and they got one. And of course, he looks like Slash, and he has the dream of seeing his sweet child of mine one more time. Which is why, Justin, this episode will be titled Sweet Child of oh, Mine. Oh, for, for Laboon. Okay. <laughs> for Laboon. I'll... For Laboon. We will, we will debate this. <laughs> we, will, we will debate Lord it out off, off recording. <laughs> no, I think, I think I will go with that just because it's appropriate thematically. It's also a fantastic song. It's also a fantastic it a song. song. Both good songs. <laughs> uh... I'm not going to bother trying to sing it because I wouldn't do it any justice. And so the one other thing we want to notice is that we did meet, uh, we met some, like, some real quick, we met Lola, who was, her and Nami were friends because Nami had befriended her zombie. Before. Oh, right. That was a little and fun little side thing. She got side a Vivra thing. card from her mom, Lola's mom, saying, like, oh, oh, yeah, if you ever right. meet my mom, look right, her up. Right. Look up my mom. She's in the new world. I assume that's where you're going, right? And Nami's like, okay, thanks. Takes that. And they, for a yeah, later. a piece of paper that has almost no significance. Right, and they go, oh, I have, Luffy pulls out, oh, I got a similar paper that had, like, no marks on it at all from my brother. And then they, I almost completely yeah, forgot about this, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. And then it looks bloody, shriveled, aged, it's and they're burning. like. Yeah, it's burning, it's burning up. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure about that in the manga, I thought that was Yeah, bloody. it's like the char marks, and it's burning to, like, nothing, slowly. Gotcha. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, so I thought literally the paper was telling you, oh, he's bloodied and beaten. Now you're telling me, okay, the paper being in full form is signifying their health, and it slowly burning away tells us that he's getting on death's door. He's getting closer exactly. and closer to dying. You guys should really try and find your brother, Luffy. He's kind of in trouble. Yeah, I guess you care about this person's life. You might want to start heading this direction. Yeah, you might want to hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Maybe if he's on Fishman Island, which I know that's going to be the next arc. I, I haven't forgot about that. Yeah, hurry up there and try to find Ace, okay? If he's not there already. I doubt he is, but... Yeah, like, it's... Thank you for reminding me, because that definitely reminded me that the whole thing with Blackbeard and Ace, that's definitely gonna yeah. be... And ultimately, Luffy says, like, oh, he's a pirate, he got in a fight, it happens, so I'm not gonna go after him, he'll be... He can handle himself. Ace is yeah, strong. But, but the, yeah, but the way they stress that tells me it's gonna be important at some point or another. And especially but, when we, we know that he just fought Blackbeard, and suddenly... His life yeah, imminent Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah, Blackbeard with the power of a fucking black hole. Yeah, no big deal. Or maybe it's that's minor. happening simultaneously. Even you know that fight. Maybe it's happening right now. That could be true too. This is kind the of a one day adventure. Yeah, mm -hmm. but could be could be in the same time. Yeah. So, welcome to the Straw Hats, Brooke. It happened very quickly. I wish the arc was a little better, but hey, Brooke was the best part of the arc. 
So yeah, he definitely got the shine. So definitely, he uh, the arc itself had a lot of criticisms. We mentioned them a lot. At the end of the day, it's still a good arc. It's not. It's not as bad as Little Garden, obviously. A uh, Little Garden, I will skip next time if I'm rereading. <laughs> but, but like this one, I'm gonna be skimming through it quite quickly because there's a couple of fun parts here. There's some lame parts there. Obviously, not all the Straw Hats are on their A game, like in Water Seven, like we mentioned. Nami was sidelined. Right. Uh, the whole thing with Chopper and uh, Hogsback was incredibly short paced, and obviously Hogsback got away. So that could potentially be something down the line. Oh, right. We saw them real quick at the end, and we learned about Ace from them. Mm-hmm. So we actually do know now that Ace lost and got kept. Mm-hmm. They, they cleared it up for us. Yeah, Absalom is with him, too. Unfortunately. Maybe next time Absalom shows up, he won't be as one-noted, but we'll see. <laughs> but you know who's not with him? Perona. Yeah! <laughs> like, who, for all we know, is drifting in space dead. For all we know. I don't know how Right? It could have literally just sent her into space. <laughs> like, Insta-death, like, one hit. One yeah, shot death. We're talking about the pre-chapter with Eneru, and I'm thinking, what if the pre-chapter ended with Peneru showing up at the end of the pre-chapters, and then her just, the corpse, like, a really dark panel of like, oh, who's this random pirate punk being here? Oh, whatever, and moving on, and we're going, oh my god, this literally just happened. Oh my god. <laughs> That's right. And they do it like in a nonchalant, playful manner of like the pre-chapters of like, who's this? And just walking away. But, yeah. Hopeful of what the next arc to come, it will be, I'm pretty damn sure, unless we're getting another distraction, uh, Fishman Island. Um, hopefully, the Straw Hats that didn't get a highlight from this arc will get a highlight next time. Hopefully, the antagonist will be more intriguing. But, still had fun. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, overall, like I said, I like this arc as well. Did you have any noticeable changes to your Straw Hat rankings after this arc? After this arc? Uh, no major and, changes. I mean, we had to add our boy, Brooke. Yeah, so the hardest thing would be adding him somewhere. Brooke is still a brand new character. I want to put him at number... Is it nine now? Yes. Nine... So he's the I, member. So we know his deal, we know he's you know interesting, but he does have, you know, his humor is very on and off, right? Where the reactions to his humor is the funniest part about him where you know Brooks will make the same skeleton joke and then Robin <laughs> going in the background going, "Okay, Frankie, you can go ahead and kill him now. He's getting on my nerves too." <laughs> that that's the best part of Brooke, his comedy. But mm-hmm. um his indirect comedy, I would say. But I want to give him more time. Like, my gut instinct is to say to put him above Sanji, but that's it. And because he has a good backstory and everything. But at the same time, I'm thinking. Just at I'll ninth c- for now. Yeah. Uh, nine for now. He's not, not on the top same... of the same list. Yeah, on top of the same list, just about. I wish after this arc that Chopper yeah, would have been the no, top four. No Zoro Hop. Uh, where did I rank him last time? Did I rank him below Chopper? Yeah, I believe so, yes. Maybe. I would I would swap those two, and that's about it. Because I still love Frankie, Fair. but not enough to be top half. Nami, again, has a bad arc, but I feel like it's not her fault this time. It's more like Oda just doing a thing where I guess maybe he was... Do you think Oda is in love with Nami himself, and he just wanted to draw Nami in a wedding <laughs> dress? Maybe. As fan Probably. service to himself? Maybe. And for, mer- and for the merch, you know? And for the merch, if it exists. Uh, it does. Of course it does. Like of course this, it does. 
Yeah, these. Yeah, I have to remember. One Piece fans are those same ones that I always ask. Hey, what's Robin's bust size? I have yeah. to know. Can she make boobies with her power? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's the it's the same fans, right? Okay. So to discuss any of our not very hot takes on Thriller Bark, where could people talk to you about? Only up to Thriller Bark in One Piece. <laughs> Only up to Thriller Bark. They can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. I recently finished replaying Final Fantasy VII Remake. I posted some pictures and videos on there, but I'm done playing that now. Don't know what I'll be jumping onto next, but I'll I share retweets. I also we also post our um when we post our new episodes, they'll be on our Twitters, so Twitter accounts. So if you want to know when exactly the moment we have the episode available, you can follow us on there. And if oh, you want to follow you, sorry. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk to me about anything One Piece related, completely caught up. To basically everything that's in Shonen Jump right now, because I'm just an anime guy, manga guy. Uh-huh. Uh, Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U on Twitter. I post a lot of different things, anime memes, just random thoughts and updates for this podcast. So if you want to stay updated on that, follow me at Jitsu on Twitter. Any and f- what did you say? Oh, wait. What was that? I was going to say, any final thoughts? I had one last final thought on Thriller Bark. Any uh, final I will mention what I mentioned to you before, that I've heard a compelling... Or I've read a compelling paper uh, that was about uh, how Thriller Bark was kind of a, what's the word? Like, I guess a metaphor, I'll say, for a metaphor for, for a depression, depression, especially yeah. Brooke and how, like, maybe his zombie, like, Ryuma represents his depression and or something. It was it was interesting, and I liked it a lot. I might read it again now that I've recently reread Thriller Bark, if I can find I it. Feel like, yeah, I feel like I would have to read it to understand fully, because I can kind of get where they're coming from, but I also think that that might be a stretch. But that's part of the, the fan theories, right, in the metaphors. It's, it's yeah, the, there's, it's, there's some good ones. You know, it was a yeah, fun it's the fandom. One. And it but might you know, change your perspective on the arc a little bit. So, Speaking of have, making the arc more fun, you know what would have been better? <laughs> that's the stupidest idea, I'm sorry. If Gecko Moria wasn't actually just a person. Because you know how you can see his neck, it's sewn up together yeah, a little bit. Actually a gecko? <laughs> N- no, not that. Uh, I was kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been stupid. I don't know if it it would have <laughs> been in line. It would have been in line with Oda's naming convention. Um, sure. No. So, you know how they're mentioning how we we see, for example, that Nami and Usopp and Chopper, they hide into one of the creatures at one point to get around and hear like some intel. Um, they can get inside a body that's possessed without actually alerting them too much. And I'm thinking, what if Gekamoria is actually one of those? And because we're on that classic horror theme, he's actually legit a Scooby-Doo villain. And they pull off the mask of Gekamoria, and it's Captain Buggy. And you're probably wondering, that how is he so t- if why is he so tall? Because Alvita is carrying him and it's they're like two kids She's yeah they're, it's like two kids sneaking into a bar it's just alvita <laughs> holding buggy and it would have been like oh, captain buggy he's a real villain and buggy would have been, and i would have killed luffy too if it weren't for you pesky yeah. straw hats it would have been amazing for my that filler would, that, arc. Would, that would have been yeah <laughs> that would have been a good scooby-doo end I'm sorry how stupid that sounded. But I just right. had that now, thought. I had to get off. As for also, we did in one episode. Good for us. Didn't take wasn't like a long episode either. Yeah, we, I was worried it was gonna be a two parter for sure. But and I don't I feel like we missed anything, which is, I mean, that's the remark for you. So at at worst, it was a little messy in terms of like where like where we covered certain things, but we got everything. I think. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And next week we will be reading Sabodi Archipelago arc. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) 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 Next week, we'll be reading the Sabodi Archipelago arc. 
which covers okay. chapters 490 up through chapters 513. 24 chapters, oh. one shot, all the way, one episode. Is this the filler arc I no. want? No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a filler arc. Okay. Okay. Or it's not It's not even like a, a fun adventure. Yeah. I, it, has I, I was, own, it has a real plot. It's got a plot. It's got a thing going. It's yeah. Arc, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. Here I am, the one person going, is this going to be my Davy Fightback arc? <laughs> is this going to be it? And you're like, no. <laughs> no. Go go back into the ground like that zombie, Jacob. Just go back. Shut up. That arc wasn't that good. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. So to reiterate, we're reading chapter... 490 up to 200 or to 513 490 to 513 for next week all right see you then bye bye <laughs>